We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I have intended on going through six verses today. We're starting out with verse 1. And uh, we're just going to just, just follow the Lord and do what he wants done here. I'm, I, have, I have just really been enjoying God's word lately. I have a problem, and that is that it seems like there's other things that have to be done during the day. And I wish that, uh, so just to clarify, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1, and hopefully we'll make it through six verses. And uh, look, I'm about to cook. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to come out of this jacket. I'm warm. Praise the Lord. I, I would like to read through this, this, these six verses, and then we'll come back and look at it. But um, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. It is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It is so full. Look, if you as a believer are needing uh, a capsule of Christian faith, Christian belief, what the Christian life is supposed to look like, if you're needing a, a condensed version of that, I would say just read the book of Ephesians and read it and read it and read it over again and read it over again because it will just begin to blossom. And then all of a sudden you'll start reading another passage and you're like, that's just like and uh, Paul, it's, it, it is, to me, a, a master work of the Holy Spirit and uh, a great place to, to, to grow in the Lord and to learn about the Lord and learn who you are in the Lord and learn what God's done for us and then how that's supposed to affect our life. And just, I'm going to go ahead and read those six verses now. Paul's writing and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all. Amen. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, as we spend time in your word this morning, God, I pray that you would anoint the words, anoint our ears. And God, I pray that you would take this scripture, dear Lord, and apply it to our hearts just the way it needs to be applied. God, we don't come to you wanting to be static. We don't come to you content with where we have grown. God, we want to move deeper in relationship to, to you, and we want to become more effective in how we live for you. So go ahead and work through the fibers of our being, dear God. Let us see things that need to be changed. And God, by your grace and by your Holy Spirit, would you work in us to accomplish those purposes? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you just love how when you read God's Word, it speaks about everybody else? Um, um, you know, it's always good to get under the microscope first and let God do a work inside of us. You know, a lot of times once we let him do that work inside of us, we begin to see everybody else differently. It doesn't mean that we can't see areas that need to change, but when we see the grace that God's applied to our life, it helps us to be a lot more gracious to the people we come in contact with. Uh, 
Chris, I'm excited about what God's doing through you guys. Uh, several years ago, it became a burden in my heart. God spoke to me, and he said, and I felt more that he was trying to awaken something in me, but he said, where are those who've equipped themselves to disciple nations? And our vision's got to be bigger, what God can accomplish through us. Going back to this scripture, Paul starts out, and in this version, in the New, the New International Version, it starts out with him talking about being a prisoner. He said, as a prisoner for the Lord then... But if you go back and read some of the other versions, they'll start out with the word therefore. Therefore, as a prisoner, or um, um, why is the word therefore there? And I know it's redundant. Preachers always say if there's the word therefore, we need to find out what it's there for. But what it's indicating to us is that we're at a transition point. And he's, while he is getting ready to communicate something, he's also communicating in light of something that's gone before. And it's common in this that we could easily go back and look at the last few verses and find something that's very significant and poignant and worthy of review. This, therefore, is really a huge transition in this book. Because if you go into the book of Ephesians, there's only six chapters there. But really, the first three chapters have a certain purpose. And then the last three chapters have a whole different kind of purpose. In the first three chapters that we have just finished, Paul goes through and describes everything that God has done for us. It is an amazing story. Talking about how he chose us a long time ago. How he has adopted us into his family. How he's given us all these resources. How he has knit together the the Jew and the Gentile into one family. He destroyed the wall of division. He's brought us together. We were created in Christ Jesus to do works that he prepared a long time ago. He had a plan and a purpose that involved your life. He started that journey for you a long time ago. I was talking with someone this morning and I said, you know, the Lord just told me to tell you that there's things that God started generationally in your family in order to prepare for you being here. God's plan for your life goes way beyond just your years on the earth. He was weaving a tapestry together in the earth that involved you. We have a a, a part to play. We may sometimes feel like we're just one little string, but if you take strings out of the tapestry, the, the picture gets marred. God prepared things for you a long time ago. It's important that we recognize our place and our calling and that we, we, we step into that position. But he says right here, he says, therefore, what is he referring to? He's referring to everything that God did in advance in preparation for our time in the earth. Therefore, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I have marked, I know some people may think that it's sinful to do so, but I love marking in my Bible, but I've marked this passage so much, it's getting difficult for me to read. Maybe that is overkill. But he says, I urge you, I beseech you, I challenge you, I implore you. Now, there's another passage where he says that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation, that, that God is, is crying out through us to the community, that, that God is trying to restore people to himself. But Paul is saying here, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. I would like to just stop right here and be quiet for a while. Just let it settle in. Live a life worthy of your calling.
when we talk about living a life, what he's talking, in some, some translations, talks about to, it's walking out our faith. It's a walk of faith. It means that our deportment, the way we carry ourselves, the way that we respond in situations, the way we sometimes step into a situation and, and, and respond as a believer, and it may be sometimes that we step away and rather than reacting to someone, that we have a different kind of character or nature, but that we carry ourselves and that we live a life worthy of what God's called us to do, what God's called us to be. The very first, uh, when I got to digging into this, I want to say, was well, this talking about our area of ministry? Is this talking about, and really it's just talking about our place in God, that we've been called to a relationship with Him, that we've been called to this amazing hope of a relationship and, and salvation, that we're included in Him. We just talked about last week, talked about how, talked about the Father in whom both the, the family in heaven and earth receives the name. Just the fact that we are His people. We are His representatives in the earth. God's reputation is staked on us. Did you get that? When, when you think about God's reputation, don't think about, well, I need to call pastor so-and-so or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or I need to call somebody else. Folks, people are reading you every day. God's reputation is staked on how you live, live your life and how I live my life, how we as a body live and respond to the things that we come in contact with. Because we're His, we bear His name into our community. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Every one of us has to get up in the morning and take care of the daily needs. Every one of us has to get up and, and uh, prepare for the day, go out to work, eat our meals during the day. We should be praying and doing things. Every one of us have certain things that just pertain to life. But folks, when we became knit together with God, there's something that changed on the inside of us with regards to our purpose and our destiny and the, what becomes most important in our lives. And that is that the most important thing for us should be that we represent God in the earth. And to an increasing degree, that should challenge and change every aspect of how we relate to the people that we come in contact with. I just, you know, it, there, there are so many people that, that take so many desperate avenues to find some kind of meaning to life. For some of them, it is just reaching out and taking a hold of a, maybe a pill or maybe a a bottle, it may be some type of chemical substance, it may be some type of behavior they get themselves involved with. What are they trying to do? They're just trying to, to deal with the pain or the pressure or the stress of life. And they are trying to find some kind of meaning to something, but because of it, they get ensnared and get into bondage, and they're, they're caught. And there should never be a hopeless person moving around us when they've been able to come in contact with us. Because there's hope that resides inside of us. Amen? Live a life worthy of the calling that you've been, for you have been called by God. And then he responds in verse 2. What's the transition that's going on here? 
He talked all about how God did all kinds of things for us, and now he's changing, and he says, therefore, and now he begins talking about how we should be living because of what God did for us. So he is taking uh, that picture that he had painted about everything that God put in place for us, and now he's saying, therefore, this is how we need to live. So as we go through the last three chapters of this book, it is challenging us in the way we live. We should be challenged by this. It's giving us a model and a, and a, a plan as to how we need to be living. I'm tuned to that little cry in the back there somehow. I love that. That's my granddaughter. I know she tells me I'm her favorite. Let's go on to verse 2. Be, okay, anybody need a challenge? Listen to this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Let's start out with be completely humble. And it's tied here in the phrase being humble and gentle. Being humble and gentle. I'll tell you, the culture of the world is so far from this. It is the big I complex out there. I am so great. I am this. You can look at the contemporary music of the day, and it's all about me, all about me, all about me. Um, so contrary to the concept that God gives you. Be completely humble. Don't think too highly of yourself. Even that, that mindset has, has crept into the body of Christ where it becomes an, an eye exaltation. And let me just restate this because it's something near and dear to my heart. Folks, it is really important for us to understand who we are in the Lord. It's really uh, important that we erode away every criticism that the enemy would try to, to bring to us to tell us that you're not good enough, you cannot do it, you, you are not worthy. And let's just go ahead and make the statement, I'm not worthy. I am not worthy, but God intervened in my situation. I am not worthy, and I'm not good enough, but where I am weak, he says that we can be made strong. Where we don't have the resources in our own being, he has provided us with his Holy Spirit. And he says that that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. And so whatever challenge, whatever opportunity God brings us, if we will learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will rise up inside of us, and He is a more than enough God. So be it, Lord. But in the midst of that, there, there is a, there's something moving in our, even in our Christian culture today where it seems that there's this elevation of man, that man is getting caught up in who I am and who who we are, but it, it's the, self, uh, uh, the, the self-exaltation part of that. It's not that we need to know who we are in the Lord, but we don't need to be prideful about it. We don't need to be self-exalted about it. Folks, there needs to be a core in the Christian faith that it is Christ who's being exalted, that we're lifting Him up. The world doesn't need to look at me. They need to see Him. If anybody needs to receive glory, it's Him that needs to receive the glory. Christ in us hope of glory it's him but he says be humble be humble and it says completely humble just in case there's any question about it and then he says and be gentle um you, you know when cecile and i worked for that get motivated company get motivated it's you know you can do it yes you can yeah, yeah that type of thing all, all these speakers that are world-renowned and, and people that, 
that uh, if we mentioned names, you would recognize some of their names and things like that. But a lot of that was to pump people up, to get them motivated so that they would be willing to do the things that they needed to do. And when I was working with the life coaching, I would see people who would come with all this pump and they would, you know, be excited about doing something. And then you'll find out that they're just, when they hit, putting the rubber to the road, all of a sudden the air went out of the tires and they just would hit the wall and they couldn't do it. And you would, you would uh, spend time with them, and you're like, okay, so what is it you want to accomplish this next week? And they would make their statements of their goals and agendas. I, I had one client that I worked with that had at one time been very successful in real estate. And uh, she said, well, my goals for this week are to make five phone calls. Like, five phone calls? You know, that was her goal, though. And I, was, I wasn't supposed to be telling her, well, you can do 30. I just, what is your five phone calls we'll come back next week so how did it go with your phone calls well i i made two i'm like you're in real estate how can you you know i'm not supposed to be judging him when i'm doing that but you could see that just hit this wall and you're like where is that wall and and over and over again you would find that somehow there was this uh the term that's coming to mind is this cavitating area of their life something that had just fallen in on side of uh, on uh inside of itself um, due to a personal failure, due to something that somebody had said about them or some type of difficult experience they had, but they would hit a wall. And they had a hard time getting, getting uh, beyond that. It was also a beautiful thing to see the Spirit of the Lord go to work in people's lives. And as they, were dis- as they inevitably, no one can really get beyond some of those things until they have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they would have a, an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit would go digging in their life, and they would expose those, those broken places, and God would set them free, and you'd see people's lives turn around. I don't need to be spending a whole lot more time with that, but just wanted, what I wanted to get to was to say that people a lot of time have, have good intentions, but then they, they, they hit a place. He says right here, I need to get back on track. He says, be completely humble and be gentle. Be gentle with people. The course I was taking a while ago, what got me off track was, you know, a lot of times it's all bravado and be strong. I've seen people just be so callous and hard with people and hurt people. But here he says, be gentle. Being gentle is not the same as just getting walked over. But it's the way in which we respond to people. We don't respond to people destructively. We don't, we don't attack people and try to break them down. We don't come, come to them in that kind of way. He says, be, be completely humble and gentle in how we respond to people. And it says, it says be, and be patiently bearing with one, or, one another in love. Another word that's used there in another version is to be long-suffering. What does it mean to be long-suffering? Long-suffering. Isn't that your favorite word? Long-suffering. What about when you just want to react? You ever just want to react? Oh, my goodness. Ah. I had a, a situation. I'll, I'll, can I confess? It'll do me a lot of good. Uh. I know nobody else misses it. So I had a situation not, not too many years ago where 
I was having to deal with an institution. I'm trying to be vague so that y'all don't know who I'm talking about. I was having to deal with an institution, and I just, over a course of, it was a couple of months, was trying to get something taken care of at this institution, and I just kept hitting a wall. I mean, I would go down there and take care of things, thinking everything was taken care of, and then turn around, and they say, well, we only need one more thing. I'm like, Really? You know, and it just became so frustrating. And there was a guy at this institution. Actually, I'd been working with, with uh, a lady down there, and then she went on maternity leave. So then I turned around, and I'd been passed over to this guy to work with. And, and I just got so frustrated because every time I'd go see him, I'd, I'd say, okay, I'm, I'm going to come down there and meet at this time. You know, we've got everything. Yeah, come on down. We need you to sign some papers. I'd go sign the papers, and then you'd say, oh, it says here that we need one more thing. And I'm like, Really? I got so frustrated with it to the point, this, was, this is not the way you're supposed to do it, okay? I got so frustrated to the point that I finally called down there and I talked to the manager and I said, look, I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, but the next time I come down there, if we're not able to take care of everything, my next visit will be to another institution. I mean, I felt so good about that. You know what? The next time I went down there, everything was taken care of. They had somebody else that worked with me, and, uh, and everything got cleared up. I felt really good. And then a few months later, I went back, and the lady who had gone on maternity leave was back. And uh, I said, hey, good to see you. How's things going? Doing great. And I said, I don't see the other gentleman here. And she said, yeah, the, the day that I came back, the day before, he died. He had had cancer. And he hadn't told anybody. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, folks. I completely missed it. I was sitting there. No wonder he was being forgetful. And no wonder things were being missed. I missed on the long-suffering part. I was not gentle. I got all you know I thought I was being I stand in my ground and making them do things that they were supposed to be and I missed the fact of being able to minister to him I was not long-suffering and understanding I didn't say is everything okay you know I know this seems to be forgetful is everything all right in your life I was polite when I was in his office but I don't know that he saw Jesus through me the way he could have just remember, every time, you know, we're all compassionate towards ourselves. We understand when we're going through stuff, and we understand that life can be difficult, and things pile up sometimes, and sometimes it's overwhelming. But sometimes we're not that gracious when it comes to dealing with other people. You ever thought about this verse when it says, Be ye completely humble, and then it says, Be gentle? The completely humble is dealing right here. But it talks about being gentle is how we express that to other people. Because we can't live our lives in this static, test-dude kind of environment. Our life is really, you know, uh, out of an, a desire to seek the Lord and sometimes to hide away. Monks used to go put themselves in monasteries and they would study the Word and chant Gregorian chants and do that kind of thing. But really to some degree, they were alienating themselves from the people that really needed to be ministered to. 
We can have great church services and encourage one another and be all bright and smiley on a Sunday morning, but does it carry over when we get out there in the community? Look, I've already confessed, okay? I missed it. And we all miss it sometimes, but every one of us can get better. Can we get better? Can we get better? I love the opportunities when God breathes or whispers something in your ear and you get to go out there and you speak to that person and get to pray with that and you get to get to see God change their life and I just confessed I missed it the Christian life's not supposed to be something that's closeted away people need light in the darkness people need us to move out there in our community and to be a change for them he says be patient with one another Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Soak on that just a little bit. How many of us love to make allowance for other people's faults? You won't believe what they did to me. You won't, I was depending on them, and they didn't even show up. They completely forgot about it. And we talk and we run people down. Are we willing to show people as much grace, show them as much grace as the grace that we've received? Lord, please forgive me. I'm going to talk about my brother or my sister. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Just, you know, just a few verses ago, we talked about it last week, the dimensions of God's love. The height, the depth, the length, and the breadth. And we talked about how that when you're measuring volume, you do it usually in three measurements, the height, the length, and the breadth. If you're measuring the volume of a cube, that's the way you do it. But here, God gave four dimensions. And God, why did you give four dimensions? And when I was in the prayer room years ago praying about that, I asked the Lord why. He said it's because God's love never supposed to be tried to be measured from the outside. But it's when you're inside God's love and you extend as far as you can go and you find that it's a four-dimensional, it's an experience. It's not something you look at like a piece of art. It's something that you walk in and that you move in and sometimes you fall and you find that even when you get to the bottom, he's still there. And when you climb to the top of the mountain, he's still there. When you run as far as you can run, you find he's still there. And when you're doing the right thing, he's there too. But his love is there. And so he talks to us here and he speaks of us being patient and being kind and being gentle and and being forbearing or long-suffering with our brothers and our sisters and the people that we come in contact with how and what is the the what gives us the power to be able to do that in love it's because of what we've experienced the lord that we're able to experience to to share that with other people then he comes on to verse 3, and he gives us a challenge. All of those things were character and nature related and how we respond to other people. But here in verse 3, it comes back. He says, make every effort. So he's letting us know, look, this is something that's going to take some work on your part. It's going to take some work here. But make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. First thing we need to see about this, this unity is not a natural unity. This unity is not something that we have concocted, we've put together. 
This unity of something that's divinely accomplished by God's Holy Spirit. And since it's a divine work of God, how much more shame it would be for us to bring destruction to it, to allow our own concepts, our own ideas, our own humanity to get in the way of what God's trying to accomplish. What a shame. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. But he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting about the early church? You find out that, that when they were anticipating the Holy Spirit, they got together up in that upper room and for 120 people for over 10 days praying together and seeking the Lord in one accord, it says. By Acts chapter 6, you find out there's division coming in the church because there was a question about whether or not the Hellenistic Jews were maybe being overlooked and that the, the Hebraic Jews were getting more favor. Already there was this creeping in of some kind of division. You know, and, and folks, having the pleasure of being able to move among the body of Christ around the world, it's amazing how we have found a way to label and to distinguish and separate and, and uh, divide. There's some groups that you have to wear a certain type of garment to be recognized. I'm not sure if they're still there, but in Zimbabwe, there used to be this group called the Amazioni. And they wore long robes, they carried staffs, and they, the men wore beards. And uh, if you were a part of their church and you, were, you confessed that you had sin, they'd take those things, those sticks, and literally beat you with it. They were going to beat the sin out of you, the Amazioni. Um, and, uh, but they really followed more like a, a Jewish culture type of mindset, it, the, the uh, it's just amazing when you go travel around the world how distinct and different the body of Christ is in different areas. <coughs> it's not hard to find a difference, you know. So, I mean, if we wanted to really make a distinction here, we could say, look, are you of the curly hair or the straight hair? Some of us are just glad to have some, <laughs> you know. There, there's some things that are unavoidable. I mean, but, but the reality is if we wanted to divide, it would not be hard. That comes natural to man. But I tell you what's a supernatural work is that when God's able to bring us together. And rather than focusing on our differences, we're able to focus on what we share. Years ago, and I've told you this, but years ago I got invited to go down to um, share when you and, and Ben and Eric and and. Carla and y'all were in Barton College, but I got asked to go speak to a, a religion class down there about our church and why our church was able to come together because at that time there was a distinction because we had people from a whole bunch of different church backgrounds and we had people from uh, all, all different kinds of races and things like that. We were, but there was a, a unity and a, a, a community here. And they said, what is it about you that helps you to be able to come together? Because... I don't want to get into the theology side of it, but there, there's a, a teaching out there in church growth movement. I'm going to stay away from that just because I don't want to get into the terms. But I said, if I really try to categorize it, try to, to define that, I said, the only thing that I can really say is that we share a unity of the Holy Spirit. That gives us the ability to be able to come together and, and appreciate one another and love one another and, and really be family together. May it ever be so. But folks, Paul says, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. He says, make every effort. So here's the thing. There will be opportunity for you to be at odds with your brother or your sister. There will be opportunity for you to have 
a doctrinal difference. There will be opportunity. You may have grown in an area and they have not hit that area yet. The Holy Spirit may have dealt with another area in their life. But make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit, he says. Don't allow the enemy to divide. Look, there are times when we will need to stand up and stand on God's Word. The other night I had someone where we had the, at the truck stop, we had somebody I was, we were mentioning about how God's been reaching out in uh, predominantly Islamic nations and people who are, are there and how, how there, and Jesus has appeared to people. There's been a, an appearing of the Lord to people and telling them about, and uh, a guy who was visiting the other night challenged that and there was something inside of me. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to go after that. And since that time, there's been these scriptures coming to mind, but what about this scripture? What about that scripture? And I got to think, I was sitting there, I'm thinking, yeah, but it will take us off from where we are in this course tonight. It will take us on a different kind of tangent. And that may not have been the moment. So my thought was, I, I prayed and I said, Lord, would you guide him into this? Rather than it, this being a contentious moment and it, and it ruined that night. And then I got to thinking about Isaiah 6 where he said, I saw the Lord seated on his throne and his train filled the temple. And I got to think about how Jesus walked among the disciples. And I got to think about how the Lord appeared, you know, and even the scripture there with Abraham where the Lord came and appeared to Abraham and, and, uh, and Sarah. And then how the revelator said, you know, how he saw the Lord. His, his fires were burning. His eyes were burning like fire. And there was a sword coming out of his mouth. And, and, uh, but it could have been an opportunity to be divisive and, and and I just said, I'm, I'm just going to be gentle at this moment. I'm going to be long-suffering and patient at this moment. And we need the Holy Spirit to guide us in that. It, it takes the Spirit of the Lord to help us to maintain unity. And that doesn't mean we just let things slide, but we need to do things the Lord's way. Okay? But he says, binding yourselves together with peace. I may have the opportunity to be offended to you, but I'm going to choose to love you. I want peace to prevail between us. Look, can we walk together in unity? Can we walk together in peace with our brothers and sisters? Look, if we, we've got a family in this town, different churches meeting at different times, usually on Sunday, but some may be meeting at different times. They may dress differently. They may worship differently. They may be upset with me because I'm not using the King James Version or something like that. But can we walk together in the Lord and accomplish what God needs to accomplish in the city. I'm not talking about just, I'm not talking about weakening anything in the Lord, but I'm talking the substance of the Lord to prevail in our hearts and our lives, especially the, <coughs> those who sincerely choose the Lord and receive the Lord as, as Lord and Savior. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves unified in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We need to remember these things right here. And we're not going to take a lot of time with this. There's one body. There are, denomina there are denominations that say that they are it. And they lose sight of the rest of the body. There's one body. It's an amazingly imperfect body at times. You know, Sometimes the way the body of Christ responds or the way we do things when we go to institutions and get all grumpy and fussy and want to, I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. <sighs> but God has one beautiful body. He, he calls us his bride. 
We may not be perfect, but God's Holy Spirit's working inside of us to perfect us. It would really help if we would commit ourselves to the other side of that equation and be willing to be perfected. You ever seen those Bridezilla shows on TV? No, I haven't. But, um, but my daughter used to talk about a lot, but she talked about how they'd all you know, have attitudes and scrapping and fur flying and all kinds of stuff. But uh, it's hard to make someone beautiful when they are doing everything to not be beautiful. So, Lord, give us grace so that we can be your beautiful bride. There's one body and one spirit. I just want to take a moment, and, and can, I, can I pause on this? And, and this may be, I want to talk about this. Um, I am un, un, uh, I'm not going to back up or hesitate or anything. I'm spirit-filled. I love the Lord. I thank the Lord for his Holy Spirit working inside of me. I came from a, a background in a Pentecostal denomination, and, and so that was a big part of that. I, I had an encounter with the Lord at nine years old and at an altar and uh, transformed my life. After that experience going through life, I came across a lot of people that saw things and experienced, and experienced the Lord in different ways. What I want to challenge, those who do come from that kind of background, a Pentecostal background, we do not own the Holy Spirit. We don't own the Holy Spirit. We tend to want everybody to experience the Holy Spirit the way we experience, and, and I see a, a whole lot of value in that. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit works in denominations and other people. They may have a different understanding, but He still speaks. He still leads and directs. And uh, I just want to say there's so much more that we all can experience of Him. The Holy Spirit that we have is the same Holy Spirit that's over there. God may work through them through the framework that they're willing to allow Him to work. But our important is that we don't think that because we had an experience that we somehow own Him. It is a lifestyle. It is a relationship. It is an ongoing thing. All right? If He's not ever changing you, then you're missing something. I had a counseling session with someone years ago, and the daughter said, the daughter said, uh, you know, I believe in Jesus. She was not at that point living a saved life. She said, I believe in Jesus, and, and I believe, she said, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She said, my mama claims she spoke in tongues, but I've never heard her speak in tongues. And her mama was sitting right there. She said, well, I did. When you were a little girl, I spoke in tongues. We were invited into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not an experience. He is not an experience. He is not an it. He is a he, a person of the Holy Spirit. He has come to dwell inside of us. We've become his habitation. He wants to work in us and work through us to accomplish God's purposes. There is one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope in the future. This body of Christ thing it is very personal and individual, but folks, it is a community thing. It is a body of Christ thing. We should see ourselves, you know, you can, you can live as an individual with the Lord 
and you can be successful in that, but it's much broader and you can grow a whole lot deeper if you will join yourself to other people and accomplish God's purposes together with them. It's not just these walls either. Our community around our city, our community around our state and around the world. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And, and just to clarify right here, he's not, you know, there's that, that same thing can be parsed in so many different ways. What's he talking about? Remember the, the community that he's talking to. He's been talking to, there was a Jewish community, Jewish Christians, and there were Gentile Christians. And the, and, and the Jewish Christians have been seeing themselves as purer and better than the Gentile Christians. And he's been communicating all through this book about how those walls of division have been torn down. How God removed that barrier. That God's joined us together as one. And when it's talking about baptism here, can I just touch on this? Because you'll hear this when you go on around. Do you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Do you baptize in Jesus' name? You know, you baptize into the Lord. And there's different ways that we take those scriptures and we parse them out. But we don't have a cultural mindset in that. Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit. So if we go to someone and say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, have we missed it? Not really. If we baptize in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit, have we missed it? Well, if you go in by formulas, maybe, but the intent here is, okay? The Jewish people would baptize in order for someone to be a proselyte and be brought into the Jewish faith. Jesus was broadening that and saying what they're being brought into, it is, it is, it is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a whole relationship with the Godhead that they're being brought into. And as believers, we're brought not just into a Jewish faith, but we're brought into a relationship with God. It is, it is the, the, our, our salvation is being demonstrated in that. When people say, when Paul was writing and talked about being baptized into Jesus... He was dealing with other cultures there. There were other religions that would baptize you into ABC cult or ABC religion. And he's saying, no, you're baptized into Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus that you're being brought into. He's not trying to redefine and say, don't baptize the way Jesus said to baptize. Folks, and we shouldn't necessarily get all hung up that in. If someone's having faith in the Lord and they're going through baptism... They're being baptized into the Lord. So why make it a point of contention and division when it's supposed to be a point of coming together with the Lord? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and in all and living through all. You know what this is a testimony of? This is a testimony of the miraculous that God has worked into our lives so that he can work through our lives and join us together as one glorious body in him. God's intent on transforming lives. I'm, I'm sign me up. I'm in. Change me. Lord, if you see anything that needs to be changed, change me. Work in me first. But don't leave me like that. Work through me. Accomplish your passion. Accomplish your desires. Do what you want to do. I don't want to just hear about what somebody else is doing. I want, to, I want to experience that for myself. Amen? Can we just dedicate ourselves to that today? Can we dedicate ourselves to that today? Look, I'm thankful that we have a loving Heavenly Father. He's got good intentions for us. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer.
I know that there may be people here today that this is, you know, you may have never heard a sermon like this. I wouldn't be surprised if you have never heard a sermon like this. But I do want to say this. I want to preface what I'm, I'm getting ready to pray. I want to preface this with, with this. Be assured, God loves you. There are things about every one of our lives in this room that may not be lovely. I already confessed one thing today. I won't take time for the rest. But there are things in our lives that aren't right. But I can tell you this, God loves us. And God doesn't intend for any of us to leave us the way he found us. He intends to help us live the life that he's called us to live. So would you just bow your heads for a minute? I'm going to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, but if you would like to know him, if you would like to take this moment for your, the weight of your whole past to be put behind you, that you never have to carry that stuff around again, and that you would like to come to a moment where you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and you receive him as your Savior and then begin that new life journey. It's a process. But let me tell you, it's a good one. If you're here and that's your heart's cry today, I want to ask you if you would just where you are to raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. Anybody here that you would like to receive Jesus, you would like to start a new life together with him today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord Jesus. That being said, I want to give an opportunity. If you are here today and you're a believer and you want to commit yourself to the ongoing work of the Lord in your life, if you want to ask the Lord to change what needs to be changed and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, through you would we can we just acknowledge that by would you just raise your hand where you are would you make that commitment god would you work through me would you continue your work through me and then let's just bow our heads together father how great is your love towards us your god how great is your grace i know that peter wrote and he said may grace and peace be multiplied unto you. God, we recognize that grace is an unmerited favor, dear God. It's not something that we deserve, and it is favor from you. But God, we also know that grace is more than that. It's also an equipping to be able to accomplish what we've been created to do. So God, we pray for grace to be multiplied to your people today. God, there are people who are looking at the next few days, and it feels like a mountain ahead of them. God, they need grace. Lord, there's people here today that are excited because there's a great opportunity standing in front of them, dear Lord. There's a door that's open in front of them, dear Lord. They need grace. God, I pray that you would multiply your grace and your peace to us. And then, Lord, use us to be the conveyors of that grace and peace, dear Lord, to the community that we come in contact with. God, because just like this... this. Uh, chapter has said today lord there's a therefore because of all that we've received and all that you've been doing in our lives lord therefore lord our lives need to change we need to live in such a way that we 
become the light, that we become the conveyor, that we become those that are the ambassadors to the world that we come in contact with. And God, we need your help to be effective in that. So let unity and grace, dear Lord, and peace and long-suffering, dear God, and humility, unity of your Holy Spirit, work effectively through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.